This is episode number 27 of the Polyglot Developer Podcast, and I'm your host, Nick Raboy. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. The focus of this episode is going to be on static site generators. And in particular, we're gonna be looking at the static site generator, Hugo. In case you're unfamiliar, the Polyglot Developer blog is actually a statically generated website. So that means that there is no database, there is no backend technology, it is 100% HTML, CSS, and browser-based JavaScript. In this episode, we have special guest Bjorn Eric, who is the core contributor behind the Hugo project, which like I previously mentioned, is a static site generator. We're going to take a look at what it takes to use a static site generator like Hugo, some of the benefits that it brings versus other technologies such as WordPress or Blogger or, or another CMS platform that's not static, and just get an overall feel about, you know, why do these things even exist at all? Or, or what is the motivation behind them? Or even what's coming up next in Hugo? With that said, enjoy the show. Hey everyone, I'm with Bjorn Eric, and we're here to talk about Hugo and static site generation. But before we do, I want to get a chance to know uh, what Bjorn Eric has been working on um, in his free time or what he does in general. <laughs> yeah, what I do in general. So my name is Björn Erik Pedersen. I'm from Norway. Uh, and I have a name that's obviously impossible to pronounce for foreigners. So my initials yeah, absolutely. Is, <laughs> yeah, my initials are my initials is BEP, which is my GitHub nick. Um I tried to take the same nick on Twitter, but that was taken by Black Eyed Peas, which is a rock rock band or something. So there I am, Beb says. But I'm, um, I'm, I'm a fairly experienced developer. I've been doing uh, what I would call Java, mostly Java enterprise development for, for a long, long time. Um, doing it as a consultant uh, alone, but also uh, part of some consultant, consultant con- companies in Oslo. So I, I'm I have a fairly short history in the open source community. I think it was, uh, I think it was Steve, Steve Francia. He uh, he wrote the first version of Hugo, who introduced me to both the Go, the programming language, and Hugo and the world of open source. I think um, so. Steve is now the product lead for Go at Google, so he uh, he, he knows that very well. So he got me kind of hooked on both the language and uh, kind of the concept of doing open source work. And now I have like almost 3,000 contributions to on GitHub each year or something. I'm very active. And is that so, just to the Hugo project or is that to uh, other projects as well? And that's, that's other projects as well. But if you look at... If you look at the contribution logs or whatever, you can can see that it's kind of highly connected to Hugo. Um, so I I try to so when I find a issue that's Hugo related with so Hugo uses a lot of I wouldn't say a lot but some de- external dependencies so Go libraries. So when I find any a problem or, or something I want to behave differently, I try to fix it myself. Uh, that's kind of the beauty with open source, I think. Um, you cannot get the same uh, same freedom in closed source projects. So uh, I currently lead the development of Hugo, uh, and I, I think I have written the bulk of its current code base, I would say. Um, so do you work on it full time? I don't work on it full time, so I, I I kind of uh, it varies a little bit. So I do paid paid work, paid consultants work that's not related to Hugo, but I do a lot of Hugo paid work as well, or at least some. So part of my income comes from Hugo, and then I basically do spend a lot of my free time as well on developing Hugo uh, new features bug fixes, etc. 
That's awesome. So I before we get into what Hugo is, I want to get into the kind of uh, just kind of a summary or just kind of your opinion on what is static website generation, because that's kind of the basis of Hugo, right? Before we get into it. Yeah. So there might be different opinions on this, but to me, um, so, so, so the basic, basic concept of it is that you basically have some, you have, you have a set of content and you have some templates and you use those two to generate it into flat files on disk. So those flat files on disk or the end result is usually HTML files. So those HTML files you can basically serve very cheaply by a, a simple file server. So I, I say it's usually HTML file because you can generate, yeah, just about everything. So um, Hugo has an interesting concept called multiple or custom output formats. So you basically can take the same content and apply different templates and get multiple outputs. So you can generate HTML, you can generate calendar files, JSON feeds, RSS feeds, yeah, whatever. So uh, that's the b basic foundation of what a static site generator is. So, so the opposite of doing that is basically to, to do it dynamically, I guess you would say. Uh, one example of that would be WordPress. So WordPress ha basically has a database where the content lives, and then it also has a set of templates. And when a user then visits uh, one of the URLs for that site in the browser, that page is basically generated on the fly. Uh, and the main difference between that and what Hugo does is that Hugo generates everything once and then basically the user gets the cached results that's the simplified version so wordpress uh, obviously needs some kind of cache to survive the peak uh, visitors uh, as well so it it must must in, involve some some kind of caching um but uh that's basically caching much closer to the um database or server or whatever so uh, there are obviously a lot of benefits by doing it our way or the static way so there is the security concept so you publish these flat html files out to a content delivery network somewhere uh, so which basically uh, makes it much harder to hack your server because yeah, they flat HTML files, dumb HTML files, and it's obviously also much easier to reason about in a in a privacy uh, context. I, I'm not sure what you do in 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 America, but here in the EU country, we have some very strict privacy regulations uh, that we need to enforce. So, if you have a WordPress installation with a database, potentially a lot of plugins you don't know too much about. That's that's kind of a. Those questions are hard to reason about, like privacy and security, and 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 that is it's obviously also performance, like 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 scalability. Um, so between Norway and Australia, I think there is a latency. What's the latest city in Australia? Around 250 milliseconds, I think. And that's due to the like the speed of light. Sure. Uh, and, and you cannot do anything about that. So the only way around that is to move your data closer to the user. But that is kind of very hard to do in a uh, traditional server-based, database-based uh, application. But you have to replicate your data, right? You have to replicate your data across data centers, and so you don't. You just don't have to replicate your data, but you have to replicate your your application stack as well, because if you have those data stored in a database, 
and that database has uh, a lot of cache configuration on top of it to make it work fast enough. If you want to move those data closer to the user in Australia, you basically have to move replicate both the data and your application. Uh, and of course, it's possible, but it's expensive. Uh, while with a static setup, it's kind of you you get that for free. Does that make yeah. sense? It does make sense. And then you mentioned security as well. I think I read recently that that there's some new WordPress exploits going around, and I don't know if it's just a uh, a negative against WordPress, but it might just be because you, you're introducing so many other components, right? PHP, a database, um, who knows what else? Uh, yeah. Whereas with static, it's just, like you said, HTML, right? Exactly. So, so it's, it's kind of the complexity in it. That's the operational complexity uh, that makes it hard to... So, so a, uh, a PHP file living on a server somewhere uh that talks to a database uh that's living on some network uh, it, uh, there are like hundreds thousands of ways for a hacker to do something about that and that's something uh, and uh, and those hackers are getting smarter by the by the day so it's it's very hard to reason about that uh so the big companies who have uh, like 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 giant budgets they can, of course, spend tremendous amounts of money to keep their application stacks and networks, etc., secure. Uh, but but that's kind of not an option for for many of us, I guess. If you have like a, a bottomless wallet, yeah, yeah, maybe. But but then there is kind of uh, so so the scaling thing of it all. That's that's almost impossible to scale globally uh, when. <laughs> If you have, if you don't have that, uh, that static model uh, and it, and kind of two hundred and fifty millisecond latency, that's uh, the the users will notice it. Yeah, that's pretty fast. Um, in regards to WordPress, because that's what you mentioned. Um, when I think WordPress, I think of blogging. Um, does this mean that static site generators are only for blogs, or do they serve other purposes as well? So I I don't think that WordPress is only for blogging. Uh, so WordPress. I've seen some numbers, numbers sure. of sites are gigantic. So, so WordPress is it's it's a great platform. It's used for great stuff. So I think that the reason why you think about WordPress in the context of blogging, uh, and pro probably also uh, the reason why you think of Hugo in the context of blogging, is because the numbers there are so high. So uh, they um, they kind of uh, sh shadows the, all the other stuff that's living there. So sure. ev every 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 fifteen year old person wants to have a blog. So so the numbers get so enormous. It's a new cool thing to do, right? <laughs> <laughs> so there's yeah, of course it's not, it's not a new thing. So so yeah. I, I think the uh, the new thing is probably to make to. To create the blog yourself, more or less from scratch, and, and and that's where Hugo comes in, I think. So yeah, let's 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 figure out what Hugo is because Hugo, there's there's quite a few uh, static site generators out there. I want to I want to learn about what Hugo offers or what it, what it's all about. Yeah, yeah, we offer offer a lot and more and more each release. I think. Um, yeah, I've been watching the release notes um, as as you publish them, which appears to be. Maybe once a month or twice a month, uh, but they're quite large, right? Uh, we have tried. I think it on on the average has been once every fifth week in the last few years, and that's kind of frequent. Uh, and I found it was much better to release often than. Uh, so if you if you if you if you develop for like three months and and, and publish, you get. Uh, it's it's more noisy. It's better to to get the. Uh, get it out faster because you discover bug more easily sure uh, so uh, so what do you go uh so we, we do the basic stuff that we would expect for a static site generator you can you can have a set of templates 
And then currently the content is a set of, uh, in, 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 in the common scenario, it's a set of markdown files. And then you basically have a set of templates that is a set of Go templates. We do support uh, some other template languages as well. But the most common way is to have a set of Go templates. And then you can, and that's, that's more and more common, then you can apply a theme to it if you don't want to create the templates from scratch. You can pick a, picky, pick a, pick a pretty theme from the theme site. We have now, I think we have over 300 themes. And, and a di little, little bit of digression. I, I looked at that earlier today. We have we build those three hundred teams. Uh, each team gets its own demo site, and we build that on Netlify uh, with a Bash script. And I think it takes around six minutes to build uh, a three hundred demo. That's sites. not bad for three hundred. And and I assume that each one of those demos has its own set of pages too, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's it's it, it kind of shows. Uh, I, I, it looks good for Hugo, but it it also looks good for Netlify because we we build on every commit. So I think it's like seven gigabyte of data that Netlify pulls down and build build and build oh, three hundred demo types. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Um, but it, that happens for each commit. Uh, so if, when we do a change or uh, add a new theme or whatever, yeah, builds everything. But that then we have a set of features that you can use on top of that. So you can basically get a basic site, apply a theme to it, and it looks good. And then we have a set of features that that, that you could use to uh, do useful stuff, I guess, what you see on the web. You can paginate, you can add, uh, you can index your content to make uh, related or see also sections. Uh, we have so something called taxonomies, which is great for uh, like many-to-many -many relations, like you create tags and categories, etc. Um, yeah. Lots so of you, yeah, yeah. You mentioned uh, Go template as the as the kind of uh, template library or templating for Hugo. Yeah. Um, if, if I was a developer, maybe. Let's let's say that I'm technical. Um, would I have to be uh, fluent in Go to be successful with Hugo? So the short answer to that, uh, I would claim, is no. Uh, so the Go templates is Go-like syntax. It's, it's basically a small subset of Go, if you want. Um, so so it's not Go, and that's. Kind of limiting in a way, uh, kind of liberating in another way. So Hugo has extended that template with a uh, with a big, big uh, function library. So it Hugo is uh, basically a standard library on top of Go templates, and we support like base templates and partial macros, and you can add, uh, you can in the latest release you can even even create your own functions. Uh, so I don't think you have to know Go to use it, uh, and I'm most sites I've seen uh, requires really light scripting. So there's basically simple loops. You have a range keyboard there that you have to learn, and then there's basically the Hugo RPE that you have to know to access, like variables, like content summary, um, etc. Um, so I, I've seen some complaints on the net about uh, the Go templates kind of odd uh, syntax. Uh, they have some kind of, someone call it the Polish no notation where, which is where the operators come first. So you say if eek one, two, for instance. Um, so I think it helps if you think about the Go templates as very much functional. There are very few keyboards there, so uh, I think it's only three. So there's range, if and with. Uh, so the rest are functions. I, I think that boils down to the history of Go, I think. Uh, so I, I think Go templates was originally implemented by uh, Rob Pike. Rob Pike is... Uh, uh, have you heard of Rob Pike? 
I have not. No. Um, but then again, I I don't think I've been doing Go long enough no. um, to, no. to be so, familiar so, with all the names. No, so so, so Rob Pike, he was there from the start of Go, but he's he's kind of a, a legend in in computer science. So he so, so Go was originally started, I would say, by Russ Cox, Robert Griesmer, Rob Pike, and and a guy called Ken Thompson. So Rob Pike and Ken Thompson. They both worked at Go. Both worked at Bell Labs on the Unix team there, so they basically created Unix. So th- these odd Polish notation syntax with the pipe operator, etc., I think is come from come directly from Unix. Um, so Hugo supports something we called Hugo pipes. Have you heard of that? I've not heard of Hugo Pipes. I might have used it um, in my own uh, fiddling with Hugo, but I maybe I just don't know the terminology that you're yeah. using. So, so maybe so, explain it. Yeah, so in Go templates, uh, pipes, which is the pipe symbol, which is the vert- vertical bar, yep. which is the same you use in, in Bash to chain yeah, command together. You use it in Angular as well, if you're yeah. familiar with the JavaScript frameworks. Yeah. So in Go templates, you can use that pipe symbol to chain functions together. Uh, uh, which is hard to explain uh, in words, but it, it gets really powerful once you start using it. So in Hugo Pipes, Hugo Pipes, uh, I came up with that name, but basically it's how we do asset building, asset concatenation, um, SAS compile, SESS compile, JavaScript bundling, etc. in Hugo. Uh, yeah, so let me let me try to explain it. And you tell me if I'm incorrect or not. So in the in the sense of asset bundling, so maybe maybe you have a, a JavaScript file yeah. and you want to pass it through a set a series of events. So you have that JavaScript file, the content. The first step is you pipe it into a minification function. Yeah. You now have new output that maybe you then want to pipe into another function. Yeah. Um, and you can just keep piping it into more and more functions until you have a final result, correct? Yeah. So so a common a common use case would be to you basically have some uh raw SAS or CSS uh uncompiled SAS source, then you basically want to compile it into CSS and then you pipe it into a um we have a function called fingerprint, which basically uh, now you pipe it into minify and then you pipe it into a, a fingerprint met function. So you basically get a, a CSS that's minified and fingerprinted. Uh, I could probably explain fingerprinting as well. So fingerprinting is a way to basically uh, create a cryptographic hash of the content of a file and apply that as to the name of the file or the URL. Uh, a common use of that is basically to do um, uh, cash busting. Uh, is that a term you understand? Yeah. So I I think uh, is that the same thing as cash invalidation? Where yeah. um, just another term, right? So it it it's, it basically creates a unique file name for that content based on the hash of the uh, hash of the content. So if you if you uh, the, Later, making a change to that file, you get a new hash, and that um, that fact will make sure that it will get invalidated in the HTTP caches around the world, because that's client caching. Yeah. Uh, but but the piping, if you look, you have to look at on on paper to kind of admire it, because it, it I, I I think it looks really nice. And it is. Yeah. I agree, and I use it all the time. Um, it's great stuff. And that pipe pipe symbol comes from uh, Rob Pike, and Rob Pike was worked at Bell Labs, and Bell Labs created Unix. So the, his, the history is uh, is his the history line is clear. So, uh, so to those people who complain about the Polish notation, there is a reason for that, uh, and I think it's I think it's worth it. 
Uh, yeah, you threw you threw out an example. I think I saw another example that I tried to do the other day. I tried to add two numbers. I think I tried to do like one plus one, um, but then I realized I had to say add yeah, yeah. space one space one. Yeah. So, so, so in some simple and uh, in some simple cases, it looks odd. I agree. Uh, but I think Hugo Pipes with, with assets bundling, where you can chain many commands uh, together, yeah. chain transformations, it gets um, it's get totally very agree. elegant. It is, yeah, I, I totally agree with what what you said. It, there's a small, as somebody who uses Hugo uh, myself, I there's a I think there's a very small learning curve in uh, this template language, but uh, it's it's very powerful and elegant once you get the hang of it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. This started out as, as what Hugo, as we do a lot. So the feature list is a kind of big. Uh, I mentioned a related concept. We also have a concept called custom output format, which, which is kind of interesting, uh, and I think is is a little bit underused because you can define your yeah, own. Yeah, you mentioned that. You can define your own output formats, your own or your own MIME types. And basically, take the same content and generate it to multiple multiple uh, target formats. And also in Hugo, which is kind of taken from WordPress, I guess, but it's much easier to use. We have a thing called shortcodes, which you can use in uh, in your content file to get template support there. As a really powerful feature, so in um, in a recent release, we also added support for inline shortcodes, so you can basically do ad hoc scripting inside your content files. Uh, I did that uh, to uh, so so the uh, the Bootstrap site wanted to migrate to Hugo, but that was a must-have feature. So I spent some hours adding that. Uh, you know Bootstrap? Yeah. So are they officially using Hugo now? They are officially using Hugo now. Wow, I, I would have never known. No, so the, the, they migrated to Hugo, and it was a fairly smooth transition. Um, they, I think, what, they, what uh, did they migrate from? They migrated from so uh, Bootstrap is, yeah, I, I guess it's arrived from Twitter or something. But but MDO, yeah. I don't know his real name, but he was at, at GitHub, so it was obviously backed by Jekyll, which is kind of a GitHub product. Um, but uh, I think mostly because of speed, uh, they moved to Hugo. Build speed. Because because Hugo's uh, pretty fast, right? You, you mentioned it, 300 templates in six minutes. Uh, that, that, three, 300 themes, I mean. Yeah, 300 sites, I guess. It's more yeah. accurate. Yeah, so that that's pretty fast. I mean, I, I don't, for the listeners, I don't, I don't know if you really understand how how much that technically is because if if we're talking about 300 sites and those have x number of pages which i assume are, are more than two so there's uh, it's a, it's a, fairly, a fairly small sites but it's 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 still 300 different sites uh yeah so, yeah. yeah definitely um so you you mentioned your deployment strategy sort of so you mentioned that every time you commit netlify will automatically build um, your Hugo deployment is. Can you shed some more light into what exactly is happening? Because I know a lot of people who do come from Blogger or WordPress, they're they're just used to things automatically publishing and working. They're not used to maybe these extra steps. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we talked a, a little about the benefits of uh, static site generating and and how is that how, how that is different from say WordPress. So I. I I think you would have to say that you have to give a little to get uh, something. And that, that, I think, in this area, it's kind of, in some ways, a little bit uh, immature. So we're getting there, but there are still um, polishing to be done. Um, but in, in some areas, I think it's much nicer as well. So I, I can take Hugo sites and use those as an example, because we have the team site. We built 300 demo sites, and then we have the uh, main Hugo site. Uh, that's gohugo.io if someone wants to, to visit it. Uh, and the gohugo.io site, that's the, basically the main landing page and the documentation page, uh, where we have search that's 
I forget who's backing that. But so we uh, both of those sites are hosted by a, a company called Netlify, who's uh, who's been around for some years now, uh, but it still is a fairly new kid on the block. But they're really, really good, and they they are very generous with open source projects as well. So we we have like a premium plan on Netlify. Uh, we don't pay a dime, um, so, and we and, and the Hugo sites are. I've looked. I've looked at the um, the Google Analytics uh, visitors numbers from time to time, and we have. Uh, let's say we are popular. So, um, <laughs> so right. uh, I, I assume that we would have paid some real serious money for uh, if we if we wanted to pay for this. For bandwidth, at least, right? I, I haven't, I haven't done the calculations, but 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 we um, we have some fairly big numbers uh, in the number of users and page views, etc. So both of those sites are connected uh, to each each GitHub repository. So GitHub is basically a, a Git host. Uh, so you have a Git is a version control, source control, a version control system. Is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah. It was created originally by Linus Torvald, the man behind Linux. He created the first version in two weeks, the first working version in two weeks, which is an incredible. It is incredible. Incredible feat um, when, you, when you think about it. And uh, that. Has that sub that software has become even more widespread than Linux almost, if if that's even possible. But it, it's kind of great, and it it has some um, really good qualities like branching and uh, re- really easy merging. So, uh, so that adds a lot of simplicity to these content. Or this this deployment model, if you want it. So, if I or someone else want to do a uh, fix a spelling mistake on the uh, Hugo site, he just edits a content file, and he can do it in the editor on uh, GitHub. He, he just hit save, uh, and it it creates a branch and a pull request on GitHub. And I get a notification, or I or someone else get a notification that okay, here there's this change, incoming change. I go in and see it. I can see the diff before and after. Uh, Netlify creates a preview of the site for me, where I can go in and see the change live. Uh, and if I think it's okay, I can just hit the uh, merge button. And Netlify then builds the production site for me, in like so. Hugo is really fast as well. So, so in in the in the um, in the uh, in the main uh, Hugo site, I think it's from from I hit the push button. I think it's like thirty seconds or something, and then it's live. Um, it's pretty fast. And you're saying I I so Net Netlify is isn't the only option, right? So, uh, but it's a good one. So Netlify isn't the only option. No. So uh, Netlify, I would say, simplifies it all. Uh, sure. So you can do all of this if you like to build things. Yeah. And uh, I guess also if you have kind of a site that's... So Netlify has a free option. Yeah. So if you, and I hear ton, I I hear tons of great things. Yeah, yeah. About that, so 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 if you have a blog or a personal site or a small site or whatever, uh, then you can get very very far with the free option. Uh, sure. So you pay for a domain, and that's yeah, uh, you can get that pretty cheap, I guess, if you if you don't already own one, uh, and then you basically get free hosting to some extent. Uh, and I ha- I haven't read that in details, but but when you when you um, when you enter into the uh, what you call the enterprise world, when you have a really heavy visited site, uh, you really need some special stuff. You need some lambda functions or whatever. Uh, sure. Then it can 
probably pay off to build those building blocks yourself. Uh, I haven't looked into it in details, but I suspect that uh, underneath Netlify, you get uh, you find a lot of Amazon services. Yeah. So you can easily use um, some tools to pull, push your files yourself to to uh, to uh, Amazon S3 and uh, have a have a script. There are lot lots of options available to do this and script this yourself and and uh, and uh, and do cache invalidation of the CDN, which is CloudFront. So sure, and that w- will possibly be a cheaper option. Uh, but 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 the good thing about Netlify is that they um, they they have streamlined it. So it's the convenience of it all, right? Yeah, it's a, it's it's a kind of a push button convenience of it all. So there are sure. probably also other alternatives to Netlify that does similar stuff that I kind of haven't tested. Uh, but but yeah, but sure. there are lots of stuff happening in in this area now. Uh, so when if you speak in one month, uh, yeah, there sure. might be even more happening. I want to take a slight turn here. I want I want to find out because I saw that uh, Hugo point uh, five five came out recently. I and it was it seemed based on the the release notes that it was quite large. I I want to learn more about it. Yeah. Um. And from what ex- because you are the definitely the core maintainer. Um. I definitely want to hear in your opinions, um, what is particularly awesome that came out or, or what changed? Yeah. So uh, if you look, uh, if you look at the release notes, uh, it can possibly be a little bit boring. Uh, so the release notes are really big because there are lots of stuff happening. Uh, but on the surface, it looks kind of a little bit boring. Uh, at least you have to know, you have to have had a history of Hugo to really appreciate it, uh, I think, because we so the the Hugo zero point fifty five fifty five means that this is the fifty fifth release. Uh, this also means that we have been doing this for a while. Um, <laughs> it was originally motivated by um, it was a preparational release, if you call it. Uh, for what what's probably the most asked for feature in Hugo, I think, and that's basically to be able to build con- build pages from other data sources than files. Uh, so, so currently, do you have an example? So currently, you can use data sources like JSON files, etc., to to uh, to decorate your <laughs> to decorate your pages if you want to add add data to your pages but uh, you cannot take a json files and make it uh, into an url on on the web uh, so if you there are a lot of use cases so if you say you have a mix of files you have, you have some content files on disk which is basically markdown and then, then you have possibly a old wordpress site that still has some old content and that you want to use, but you don't want to migrate it to Hugo. You probably have some data somewhere else in some odd format, in JSON files, uh, YAML files, text files. What what do I know? And uh, you can po- possibly want to use WordPress or whatever to as a CMS solution and integrate with. Hugo, in some way. Uh, so, so all of these wishes or requirements uh, requires uh, Hugo to understand an interface other than the file system. Uh, and so, the motivation, the original motivation behind zero fifty-five was kind of a technical one, but that that was to create a create a better abstraction of the core data types in Hugo. Uh, because the old way of doing it was very file-centric. So everything was a file. Does that make sense? It does make sense. So let me throw an example at you, and you tell me if this is a, a, a real use case that people are doing. Um, so I I originally was on WordPress. Um, 
And to convert my WordPress site to Hugo, it was a bit of a pain. I know that there's there's libraries out there, but I also know that nowadays WordPress has a REST API that'll give you JSON data of each of your blog posts. Yeah, are people consuming that data into into Hugo now to make their migration so, process easier? So uh, no, they're not. So I said uh, Hugo right. zero fifty five was a preparation release. Sure. So uh, I'm not there yet. Sure. Uh, but I, Got it. but but I kind of had to make a um, that that. Change was so fundamental in the core of Hugo that I had to make its yeah. its own release. Uh, but that change opened the door for some other nice stuff, uh, which also kind of close to close to the core because there was some some limitation to the old model that kind of suddenly was easy to do. Uh, so in Hugo, we have something called custom output formats, which I think I mentioned like two, two or three times already. But there was yeah. some kind of limitation to that. In Hugo, we have uh, you can query the data, you can query the pages. So we have basically some page graphs, object graphs. Um, and those object graphs were not fully, I've used the word virtualized before. Um, but now uh, the custom outperformance, it's kind of fully integrated into all concepts of Hugo. That's one. Uh, and, and we also uh, made short, how shortcuts integrate with the markdown renderer much, much better. Uh, these changes, you kind of have to know Hugo uh, and try it out to appreciate. So the output format change, uh, I originally thought that was too hard to do uh, or too much work to do or too much changes to do. And I suspected that it would slow down Hugo too much. So I, I made some uh, shortcuts uh, when I implemented custom output formats back then, which is like Hugo 40 or something. I don't remember. Um, but it it... In retrospect, it, it showed when I did these changes, Hugo actually got faster. So Hugo 0 0.55 is, uh, I, I did some benchmarks like uh, more than 10% faster and more memory efficient than the last version. Um, so uh, I saw some more else that's like, so the p performance bottlenecks are, comes, you you kind of never know where they are, so you might get surprised that doing it the hard way may still be faster. So sure. so so the shopping list of new things uh, is very long for zero point fifty five. You might might have to be a Hugo user to appreciate them or understand them, uh, but it was mainly a originally motiv motivated by next step which comes after this uh, and that is to prepare for uh, other dat data sources as a source for page generation yeah that's awesome is that uh, is that the only thing on the um the roadmap right now or what what other exciting things uh, can you share <laughs> yeah um so I have a couple, couple of things on the roadmap. So that that's basically the being next thing. I think I have to do that before I, because I, I'm kind of promising it for a while now. Sure. Uh, and I, and I kind of been hindered. I've mainly been hindered by what I've now now been doing in zero point fifty five, because that was a like a a kind of a, a big task. Uh, I, I, I will not say how many workouts get, got into that, but so uh, and some of the problem is that Hugo is so popular, so you cannot so making core changes like that to a, a running train is uh, yeah you don't want to uh, break too much, so that that make, makes it extra challenging. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I hear you. Yeah, so, so that's on the roadmap, uh, and I think many waits for something like that. I, I don't think I will get the perfect solution in, in one release, but I will certainly iterate on that. And then I have some other plans as well. I, I try, uh, 
I, uh, from time to time, I, I get some great idea while skiing or something, and then I jot down some design document <laughs> on GitHub. So there are some design documents there. I was reminded of one yesterday, and I, I w- which I want to do because there, there is one use case that's kind of hard to do in a static context, and that's um, authorization or role-based access control. Uh, yeah, that is like paywalls, paywall, paywalls, and member sites, etc., member portals, or whatever they call it. So that's on the agenda too, and and I have a design document that's kind of controversial, but I think it's uh, in in its simplicity, at least much more elegant than uh, the suggestions I've seen floating around. Yeah, I'm curious to see how that will that'll happen on a static site to be able to have a paywall or uh, restricted areas based on on roles. That'd be super interesting. Yeah, it's a, so it's a, it's a really interesting discussion. It it um, it it resurfaced yesterday, I think, on uh, the the new dynamic dot org's Slack channel, which is a recommended Slack channel if you are interested in these kind of things. Um, What's the Slack channel name one more time? Uh, so the site is called the New Dynamic. New Dynamic. Dot right. org. And I assume there is a link to the Slack channel on that site. Sure. Um, so the other way of doing it, then my plan is basically to to uh, to have kind of a, a JVT to- access tokens or whatever they call it and do fetch content dynamically via some services. Uh, but that kind of moves, <laughs> moves away from all, most of the benefits of going static. Yeah. So if if uh, if sixty percent of your content is restricted, then you basically have to do get JSON or whatever for sixty yeah. percent of your content, which is sounds wasteful, and you cannot do the CDN global scaling or whatever I call it earlier. Uh, so what I have suggested was to basically create to to use Hugo's speed. Uh, to support roles. So Hugo also support languages, multiple languages today, um, which is which, which basically a uh, way of doing, basically create one site per language. And we, if we can do that for roles as well, basically do another round of loops. Uh, so you get one site per role uh, and you get fully integrated uh, uh, role support in the templates, etc. Then you can do this uh, authorization on a much simpler level in some lambda edge function or whatever. Uh, I have a solution described. It's on GitHub somewhere. Uh, I think at least the concept is really, really interesting because that would make uh, member those member paywall type of sites affordable to like regular like regular people i would say sure um no, no that sounds great and I'm, I'm looking forward to it because that was something that i had to give up when i when i switched off of wordpress was uh was membership areas um so i'll be i'll be watching that heavily yeah. um it it uh, to bring this episode to a close, I just kind of wanted to know uh, if you had any kind of words of wisdom to people who are new, to just getting started with static site generation or Hugo, just anything, any kind of um, inspirational advice to give them. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I would say, yeah, I, I would, I would say, just start build something and uh, build your own site uh, and, and I would probably also to, so try to start from scratch uh, to get much as as dirty hands as possible quickly and I would also encourage uh, to use uh, so we have a, a also a site called discourse.hugo.io no, that's wrong discourse.gohugo.io which is a discussion forum uh, which is all about Hugo. Uh, I, I guess you could also ask general static site questions there. Uh, but it's it's a really helpful and active forum. Um, 
open to almost any questions. So uh, don't hesitate to use that channel if you if you're stuck or having any problems. Uh, but I, I so there, there there there's not many books on Hugo. I think there is one in the planning, but uh, there's some good tutorials. But I think from experience myself, I think you learn best by doing. Yeah, I agree. Um, that's how I kind of got my hands on as well. Um, well, I appreciate you being on this episode, Bjorn Eric. Um, and I encourage everyone to give Hugo a shot. Uh, it's something that I've been using for well over a year now and absolutely love it. I hope you found this episode of the podcast on static content generation to be beneficial. Like I mentioned a few times on the show, I am using Hugo for the Polyglot Developer blog. I have been for a few years now. Um, this was a migration from WordPress. Um, so a little backstory, WordPress uh, was great at the beginning, but as the traffic and demand of the blog uh, grew, WordPress became very expensive, it became very slow, um, and I just really had to search for other alternatives. And static site generation um, was a great option, and Hugo was an even better option. I, I have no regrets in terms of the switch. Um, since then, I've been able to reduce the cost, and the speed has never been better. If you found this episode of the podcast to be valuable, it would mean a lot to me if you went onto iTunes or wherever you're listening to it from and left it a five-star rating and possibly a review about the episode as well, saying something nice about it. So that way, other future listeners can get an idea of what they're getting themselves into, not only in terms of the episode itself, but in terms of the entire Polyglot Developer Podcast show. The Polyglot Developer is looking for sponsors. If this is something that you'd be interested in, maybe you want to sponsor the show, maybe you want to sponsor the blog or the YouTube channel, head over to thepolyglotdeveloper.com slash sponsors and see what kind of opportunities are available. It not only benefits you um, and your organization, but it also helps the Polyglot Developer survive in regards to any kind of hosting fees or hardware costs associated with producing content. And that concludes episode number 27.